This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We're a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. It's just great to be uh, here this morning and uh, joined by two very special people, particularly to me. Um, So uh, today's guest speaker is uh, Peter and Grace, and I'm loving that I get to call them that, because normally I know them as mum and dad. Um, So so, uh, these guys are on staff at Glasgow Vineyard and head up uh, compassion projects and run the Storehouse Food Bank. Um, I've been there for 20 odd years. So you can guess how old they are, and um, <laughs> and yeah, no, they uh, they're just um, you got something to say? No, you okay? Cool. Um, and yeah, no, they've just been a, an incredible inspiration and blessing and encouragement to uh, to myself and then and me and Fiona, uh, particularly as we've uh, been doing what we've been doing over the last few months. Um, so yeah, I just want to honor the honor them publicly and uh, and thank them for their support, but also yeah, just really looking forward to what you guys have got to say. So. Yeah, without much further ado, I'll hand over to Peter. Thank you, Ali. Thank you. It's a great pleasure for Grace and I to be here today. Uh, It's been exciting to see uh, and to follow what's been happening here, what God's been doing amongst you, and to share a little in uh, Ali and Fee. And uh, we have another, we have three children, uh, two of which are here today, and one uh, is sadly not. He's, he's staying in Glasgow with his wife, but you have to guess which the other one is, other of our children. Um, we have five grandchildren, all of whom are here, so that's another clue. So. <laughs> but it's great to see, um, to share in a little bit of that journey. Um, yes, so let's pray. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are indeed good. You are good all the time in every way. Lord, we just invite you to come by your spirit and to fill this place with your presence. And Lord, I pray that you will take the words that I speak and turn them into the words that you want everyone and individually to hear today. By your spirit, inspire us to draw closer to you and to share in your heart of compassion for those that are hurting and in pain the lost, the broken, and the least. Come, Lord Jesus, fill this place. Amen. So, that's the question. Why compassion? Why be compassionate? Why do compassion? The first and most obvious reason why we do compassion is because we're made in God's image, and God is a God of compassion. The Bible is the vital touchstone against which we must evaluate all that we do. And the big story that runs through the whole of the Bible, the meta-narrative, is the story of God's love for his creation. Someone once said, the first page of the Bible tells us how Adam and Eve fell out of relationship with God. And the next thousand pages tell us of God's amazing plan to restore our relationship with him. And within this big story of the Bible are frequent examples of God's compassion on people who have tasted his goodness, the richness of his blessings, and have gone astray 
They've rejected him and become estranged from him. And every page of the Bible must be evaluated in light of that overarching big story. David, writing in the Psalms in a great hymn of praise to God, rejoices in God's compassion and mercy. In Psalm 145, he says, The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And the ultimate sign of that compassion was ascending his son Jesus to die for us on the cross. The ultimate act of compassion from a holy and merciful God. And the whole of Jesus' ministry was guided by compassion. Jesus himself, in line with God's character, was full of compassion for those around him. His mission, as prophesied in Isaiah, was to enact compassion for all who need it. And Jesus, right at the start of his ministry, says in Luke 4, reading from the scroll of the book of Isaiah, says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he goes on, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus had compassion on all who were suffering. The bereaved in John 11, when Mary and Martha's brother died, he wept, he comforted them, and then he raised Lazarus from the dead. He had compassion on the hungry in Matthew 15, and he fed them. He had compassion on the sick in Matthew 14, and he healed them. He had compassion on the leaderless in Mark 6, and he taught them. Each time we read of Jesus having compassion, he did something to change the situation that he saw. The third reason why we have compassion, we need to do compassion, is we're commanded to. The tagline of Glasgow Vineyard is, love God, love people. And we often say that you'll know how much you love God by how much you love people. But what does that mean in reality? You're probably aware of the verse in 1 John that says we love because he, Jesus, first loved us. However, we may be less familiar with the verses that follow when John goes on to say, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother who he has seen cannot love God who he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that is Jesus, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And it's not just that we mustn't hate our brother or sister, we must actually love them. Love is the starting point, it's the minimum requirement. But Jesus goes much farther. In Luke 6, 32, he says, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners, those who don't love God, do the same. And the call of Jesus for us, the church, is to be different to those with no faith, the sinners. The key differential for him was to be shown in the way they love, even was the way that they show love, even for those who are persecuting them. And we are also to love people outside the family, outside the church, even those who ridicule and persecute us. We are called to show love for those 
who are not like us. Jesus is not just calling us to think kind thoughts, but to practically show that we love. And practically showing love, doing things that demonstrate love, is costly. It takes time. It may lead and probably will lead to inconvenience. We have a friend who has amazing heart and compassion for those who are lonely. And they are willing to spend time with them. To be inconvenienced, but, not in, a way, but in a way that's not an inconvenience to them. Because they know how to show love. And that's, we're seeing people's lives being transformed as they spend time with them. Loving them as individuals, caring for them responding to their calls. It's a sacrifice of love, but it's changing people's lives. She's challenging me in my, am I too concerned by my schedule, my program, the things that I think are important to do the things that God is calling me to do? I think that's a challenge for all of us. Well, are we willing to spend time for those who aren't like us, those who are outside the church outside this community of faith. The fourth thing is compassion is essential for true Christian community. Christ died for our sins to make a way for us to have a relationship with the Father, but also to bring us into a loving, caring community of faith, that is the church. And the vast majority of the promises in the Bible are not given to individuals, but to, pe to the people of God. The people of Israel in the Old Testament and Christ's followers, those that were to become the church in the New Testament. So the question is, what is a community of faith? And I think if you read the first cha five chapters of the book of Acts, you get a pretty good idea of what a true community of faith looks like. Acts tells us that it's a loving, caring community that looks after people, sharing everything they have in ways that means that no one has any lack all the time reaching out to those who are outside the walls, inviting them to share the bounty and richness that God has given them, both in times of plenty but also in times of hardship and persecution. As a result, that community enjoyed great favor from those around them. People would bring the sick into the streets so that they might be healed even as the apostles walked by. And thousands came to faith. It was a time of amazing blessing, but it's also a time of great persecution as the religious leaders who were threatened by this activity sought to put an end to it. This is the type of community the church is still called to be, a church that is attractive to those outside its walls, which welcome people not like us, a church that sees living, sees lives transformed by kingdom power breaking in and breaking the hold of darkness in people's lives. Compassion moves you to action. Compassion is not passive, it can't be passive. Compassion moves us from thinking about ourselves to thinking and caring and acting in the interests of others. The Greek word translated in our Bible is compassion. Here's a difficult word for me to say, splanchisnomai. That's the best I can do anyway. It means to be moved in the bowels. It has a sense of being punched in the guts. It's a pain that won't go away until something is done about it. Compassion places meeting the needs of others above meeting our own needs. It causes us to face and to overcome our fears, to act in ways that will benefit others rather than ourselves. Compassion is about loving enough 
to do something that makes a difference. In Matthew 9 and 10, in response to seeing how lost and leaderless the crowd were, Jesus sent his disciples out with power and authority to announce the kingdom of God was near. They went out healing the sick and casting out demons to make a difference in the lives of those they met. And in Matthew 28, Jesus extended that commission to include us and to include the whole world in which we live. And the good news for the gospel, of the gospel for Jesus wasn't, I am here and I've come to die so that you can go to heaven. But I have come and have brought the kingdom with me to impact your lives now. The good news of the gospel cannot be separated from compassion for the poor and the sick, those held, in, held captive by sin, fear, loneliness, or living under oppression. And the Great Commission, bringing the good news of the kingdom, starts right here, where we are, in our place in Glasgow and in yours in Stirling and the surrounding areas, our neighbourhoods, the towns, communities and villages in which we live and work. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God that makes a difference in people's lives today, not just in eternity. So, what have we been doing in Glasgow? At Glasgow Vineyard, um, we've been involved in several different compassion projects over the years. Um, some have been short-term and small-scale, but some have developed into larger ministries, and uh, depending on the need at the time and the resources available to us. So a few of the things we've been, we have done over the past. We've uh, run a soup kitchen, um, which fed homeless people, and we did that in partnership with other churches. We fed people on the streets with sandwiches donated by um, a local sandwich shop. We've taken out soup in flasks to rough sleepers, and we've run healing on the streets in the city centre. All this started by people who saw a need and responded with their time and their commitment. Currently, um, we're running a food bank. That's our little logo that uh, we designed about 11 years ago. Sorry, page right. <laughs> um, we're based in Annesland, and uh, we've been serving, as I say, for about 11 years. And over that time, we've served about 3,500 different people. Um, while that actually sounds a lot, um, we started very small and very hesitantly. Uh, we started thinking in about 2008, 2009, we just sensed that God was calling us to start helping people um, who were struggling to afford food. So as a church, we started collecting small quantities of food. People would bring it to the back of the church on a Sunday. And then that would get delivered out to a charity which helped people set up in their new homes. And did this for a while. Um, but we wanted more of a connection with people. We just felt we were bringing food, but we weren't seeing actual where that was going. We felt we wanted to actually be connected to the people. So we began doing a bit of research. Um, we went to local doctor surgeries, uh, job centers, and welfare offices to find out exactly what the need was. Um, at that time, um, at the same time, we linked up with a church working in, a, in another part of the city who'd started up a food bank. And uh, they gave us a bit of assistance and advice on how to run a food bank effectively. Once we confirmed that we were on the right track and the need was real, we went back again to advertise what we could offer, inviting them to send people who were struggling to buy food to, get food, to come and get food from us. 
We collected a small amount of food through the, more donations from church members and uh, from other people in the community who wanted to contribute towards us starting up. We then set a date to open up. We got a team together and we opened up our building and no one came for the first few months. So we thought, right, okay. Um, we knew from our research um, that this, and a strong sense of what God is calling us to do, this is what God really wanted us to do, and that there was a need. We continued to advertise, we opened the building each week, and eventually a small number of people found us and we were able to help them. Well, then the word gets out. Soon uh, numbers increased and we realized that we would need to collect more food. Um, so we thought, right, well, how are we going to do this? So we approached our local supermarkets, and after several conversations and some persuasion, the team were able to go along to hand out shopping lists to customers on a Saturday, um, who would then go around, buy the few items for us, and drop them back to our table. It was all very new to us, um, and it was quite scary being out there in the public domain. Um, but it was also quite scary for the public, and people weren't quite sure what was going on because at that time, I think 11 years ago, food banks were quite new. And um, it was quite a new venture that people weren't quite sure about, so we had lots of explaining to do about what our aims were and why we were doing it. There have been times when we really thought we'd run out of food. Um, as our numbers increased, um, we really struggled at some points, but God was always several steps ahead of us. And uh, he knew what we needed when we needed it. Um, his storehouse is full. Um, there's one story of um, a particular time when we got down to the last, last few items, really, but there were, there were three particular food item types that we needed. And I said to Peter, you know, what are we going to do? You know, we can't give people a full, pack, a full package that we want to give them of all the, of all the different things. Um, so we prayed about it, and uh, I think it was, it was just that during that week, I had a message uh, on my phone from the, our local supermarket who, where we'd done the collections, and they said, look, we've got this um, surplus food, and uh, we just wondered if you'd like to come and get it. You've got to come and get it now, because um, it, the end, by the end of the day, it's got to go. It wasn't fresh food, but to, something to do with their protocol. They had to get rid of it that day, so we said, right, we'll come and get it. Picked it up and filled a car boot full of the three things that we needed, those items that we were short of, were in that donation. So God knew what we needed. Then COVID struck, as you all know, um, the dreaded COVID, and uh, we ended up having to adjust the routines and the way we, we ran the food bank because obviously we needed to keep people safe. and We changed our way of doing it. Um, but that was fine, and uh, we, we've, we've got through COVID. We didn't have to close. We kept going um, all the way through, which was wonderful. We've um, recently started up um, a new community outreach program with Storehouse based around the relationships that we have built with clients over, over time. Um, with the commitment of one or two key volunteers, we're starting to see fruit as God is using people with a real heart for compassion and a willingness to go the extra mile to help serve those who are really struggling. I think Peter mentioned to you about the friend of ours who just has such a heart for people. She'll come along on a Saturday and she won't, she's not there just to give them food. She's there to be chatting with people, befriending, finding out where they're at and what other needs are and just loving them, giving them a cup of tea and uh, showing compassion. 
there's plenty more that we'd like to do, um, but we work with the resources that we currently have at the moment. Um, but at the same time, we're praying that God would send out more workers into the harvest field. So that's our story. But what's yours here at Sterling? I'm not for one moment suggesting that you should set up a food bank. Um, but what is God speaking to you about the need in your community here? So spend some time now just thinking about people you know or see in your community that are in some form of need. Just spend a moment thinking about somebody. Maybe ask God to bring a situation or an individual to mind. Okay, now maybe just turn to your neighbor and um, just share with with them um, if there's a particular need that is this particular person that's sprung to your mind just share about that and what could be done about it give you a few minutes okay great i'll just call you back to the front now and i'm going to ask ailey just to pop up and she's going to have a little chat to you about what's going on here Jeez. ailey <laughs> she's so engrossed in it <laughs> Sorry, Margo and I were just busy talking about all the things that we wanted to do, so it was a positive chat, I promise. Um, thanks so much, that was a really great talk and really inspiring. So, yeah, I'm just going to chat for a couple minutes, so I know we're close on time. Oh, am I not? And then I'll pass back to you. Okay, perfect. I'll be really quick then. Um, just about how you can get involved as a church and things that we're already doing. And this really is a, definitely the sort of entry point. Um, I think there's so much more that we could do as a community and we could love our community in loads of different ways. So this is not an exhaustive list. And if you've got an idea or something that you're passionate about, please come and chat to me about it because I love doing this sort of stuff and um, I'd love to do more. And But I'm only just one person, so I need help basically. And there's lots of you that are already doing your own things um, which is fantastic so I, I just think it'd be great to work together and yeah just love our Sterling community because I love Sterling not even from here and I just love it so much um, so yeah this is some of the stuff that we do already so we're partner with Christians Against Poverty and Startup Sterling so we support them financially as a church and um, you can also drop off some foods um, and all the different supermarkets there's baskets where when you've done your shopping you can drop off stuff individually uh, and then we also take part in Startup Sterling's sort of different Christmas or Easter or different sort of campaigns whenever they have appeals for things and I'm going to talk about that in a wee second. With Christians Against Poverty at the moment as a church we just support them financially and we also support them by prayer which is fantastic and I definitely want to keep that up but they've also been encouraging us to ask you guys if there's anyone that wants to get involved volunteering or befriending within their service so if you've got expertise in financials great you might want to help um, with them or you could just volunteer kind of doing what Grace was saying her friend does and coming alongside people, being a befriender is just helping someone who's maybe got financial difficulties or struggling with debt and you're kind of walking alongside them as they go through that journey and they get expert financial support from someone else. You're the kind of friendly face that helps and has a cup of tea. So if that's something that you're interested in, please do speak to me and I want to connect you with Fiona, different Fiona. 
um, who works for CAP Fourth Valley. So in Fourth Valley, all the churches are connected that work alongside the sort of main CAP in the area. So it's not individually um, CAP churches, which sometimes is what it happens in Glasgow or Edinburgh. So we're all connected with CAP Fourth Valley. So that's our two main areas where you can get involved if you fancy. Um, we also have our food tidings. I know I spoke far too long about that one time, um, but food tidings is just a sort of way that we can bless someone that maybe needs some support with different meals. And how that works is you sign up to do a meal and basically it's all organized for the person. So whoever's having a tough time doesn't need to worry about who's coming to the door or what food they're getting. All their preferences and details are all organized and it's a lot more efficient and easy. So we do that and that's a kind of behind the scenes thing. Um, we've had our community day, which has been fantastic. We were out giving bags of joy, praying for people, doing a prayer walk. That was a great time. So we want to do that again soon. We've had our swap shop. I'm actually modeling something that I got from the swap shop. I don't know whose it is, but thank you to whoever donated that. Um, and we want to do more things like that and invite more people from our community, not just our church, lots more people to come to events like that. And that was fantastic. I loved that. Becca did a, and Fiona did a fantastic job with the fairy lights and making it all really nice. It was a fantastic night. So hopefully we'll do more things like that. Um, and then we've got our give a gift appeal at Christmas. So these are all the things that we do. Um, and very, very quickly, if you go on to the next slide, um, this is some things from Startup Sterling, what they want to do. So you can get this on their website. You might want to take a photo of it. But as a family or maybe as a group of friends, you might want to do their reverse advent calendar. So every day you buy a different item that they need. And I'm going to announce um, a collection date. I think it'll be mid-January, but I'll let you know next. No, sorry, mid-December. I'll let you know next week. But basically, we'll collect to all as a church and then this goes towards their donations in January because they're trying to stagger their donations so they don't get everything all at once so more details will be about that I'll send out about that next week um, and then on the next slide we're also doing a secret Santa and we did that last year where there'll be lots of different items in a bowl you can take one or two things and then we'll have it again a donation point you bring that in when you're ready um, and then we'll again donate that in January but we're kind of doing it around the Christmas time so that's the two appeals that Startup Sterling are doing just now and there will be more details about that later um, and then finally the give a gift appeal so we did this last year where Sterling Observer run um, a sort of organization where they want to well, no, they are an organization, but they run this appeal where they want to get lots of new gifts for people that might not receive much gifts at Christmas time. So it runs from children aged like newborn children all the way to 18 and these are all the different sort of charities and organizations that the gifts go towards so we've got young carers home start sterling sterling women aid uh, the social services plus um, which works with children and young people with disabilities Corton vale in glenochel um, fourth valley royal hospital um, and the children's ward and then support for families and um, there's also a few others that they support um, so yeah if you are interested if you scale on the next one we would be keen to collect some toys gifts gift vouchers for anyone within those age ranges um, and they should all be brand new and unwrapped and what happens is they all get taken to this donation point last year it was in Dune Town Hall I think and all of those people from those charities come and select toys for the children and the young people that they work with so that um, that's why we ask them not to be wrapped so that they can see what's there and they choose the most appropriate gifts and then it'll get wrapped up so um yeah delighted to be taking part in that again this year and again I will send more details out to that but it will be mid-December that we'll collect those uh, kind of toys and gifts if you're happy to do that and we'll send them over in time for Christmas so 
I think that's all. Sorry, I flew through that. I will send more details out soon, but I think that's everything of how you can get involved right now. But if you've got any more ideas or something else you want to do, please come chat to me or Ali and Fee if you don't want to talk to me, that's fine. Um, so yeah, there you go. Thank you, Ellie. That sounds amazing. So uh, Ellie's told you how you can get involved in the programs that are running, which is fantastic, and I, I really encourage you to do that. Um, but what's our response? Uh, I think also the Lord's calling us to get involved in the people that we meet and the, our communities in which we live and serve. I think we all pass people in the streets, don't we, that we see. We all know friends or neighbors who are in some form of need. I think the Lord's looking for us to, to make an impact in their lives too. Um, in Matthew 6, we read... Uh, how Jesus had a compassion on the crowd and he was teaching them. And the disciples noticed that the crowd were getting hungry and thought something ought to be done about this. But notice the disciples' approach. They see the problem and go to their leader, Jesus, with an impractical plan and say, you should do something about this. Send them away. Let them go into the countryside where there is nothing and try and buy food. And that can be our approach. We see a need, we see a pressing problem, and we go to someone identifying the problem and say, oh, we've got a solution. And having done that, we leave it to that person to sort it out. But Jesus says, what do you have? What they had seemed far too little. They felt inadequate to deal with the scale of the problem, and I think often we do. But in Jesus' hands, what they had turned into more than enough. There was loads of food left over at the end after he'd multiplied the food. And that's the key to compassion. See the need and bring what you have and allow Jesus to multiply it. What we think we have may appear too little. We may feel ill-equipped and lack confidence. But in Jesus' hands, he can turn what we have into just what is needed. So what do we have? We have time, we have skills, we have money, we have resources. And the community of the faith that is the church can only do what it has the resources to do. But a limiting factor is not money, but people and their time. Do you know that volunteering a day a week is equivalent of giving a financial donation of £5,000 a year? On top of that, it can make a real difference in the area you're serving. And if four people were to give two hours a week and work together, that would have the same impact. Your time makes a difference. And Jesus calls us to love people enough to give of our time, to give of our skills, to give of our resources, to make a difference, to demonstrate the good news of the kingdom, not just by words, or thoughts, but by action. There's a classic story that's used in the Alpha training course of a boy on a beach where a storm has stranded millions of starfish and he's going uh, to the, where the starfishes are and walking uh, a few yards and throwing them back one by one. And a man comes along and says to him, why are you bothering? You're not making a difference. There are millions of them here. So the boy goes and picks up another starfish, walks to the waterfront 
uh, edge and throws it back. And he says to the man, I made a difference to that one. And as the man in the story, so Satan, our enemy, doesn't want us reaching those in pain and suffering. He will whisper to you, what difference are you making? What about all the others that need your help? But God only wants us to do what we can do. We're not responsible for the whole world's problems. So don't let the problems you can't address stop you doing something about those you can. So start small. Sometimes all that is needed is a smile, a kind word, a short conversation. Other times those small things will make a real difference and may lead to a larger opening to show God's love in action. Now, for some of you, that may mean learning to say no to some stuff, to allow you to say yes to what is more important to God. And if the enemy can't stop us starting, he will try and cause us to burn out by becoming too busy. God will never cause you to burn out, but your pride may. To others, that may learning may mean learning to say yes. To say yes to God when he puts an idea in front of you and there's an opportunity for you to do something for his kingdom. Saying yes rather than listening to all the doubts and fears that crash in around you. Maybe the Lord wants you to do something about the need he highlighted to you just a few moments ago. We are not, however, meant to do things on our own. We are in a community of faith. You, gathered here, are a community of faith, loving one another, sharing your lives together. Yes, we are called individually and saved as individuals, but we're adopted into a family, not into isolation. And when we do things together, we get to see the power of working together, of sharing our gifts, of using the gifts that we have and enhancing the gifts that others have. Each of us, each person here has different gifts that God has given you. And he's wanting to release those gifts as you learn to serve together for his kingdom and his glory. So what are the takeaway points from this? Well, firstly, compassion is not an optional extra. It's God's character. Jesus was full of compassion throughout his ministry. We're commanded to do it. And it's essential for Christian community. Compassion is about action, not about feelings. Sympathy and pity says, I feel sorry for them. Something must be done about it. Compassion says, I must do something about this. It starts by caring enough to do something. And we can all do something. Compassion for our friends, compassion for our neighbors, compassion for our neighborhoods. I encourage you to make a start. The task may seem overwhelming, but bring what you have and allow Jesus to multiply it. Start small and see what God is doing. And once you've made a start, call on others to help you. Share your passion with them, your friends, your small groups, your church. Ask for guidance. Seek out a mentor or a coach. Maybe someone in this congregation or someone doing the similar work in another church or other charity. And time is our most important resource. Time for our friends, time for our neighbours, and time for our neighbourhoods.
So I'm going to ask Ali to come up and we're going to do move into a ministry time in response to that. Could I invite you to stand? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We ask you to send your, your spirit here. We say, come, Holy Spirit, fall upon this room. Move here, Lord, in your power and your love. Shine your light into our hearts. Mm. At Glasgow Vineyard, we um, embrace and value all the ministry gifts of Ephesians 4. And for some years, Linda, our senior pastor, uh, one of our senior pastors, has been heading up a prophetic team. And I asked them to, to pray and to see if God was giving them any words, prophetic words, now, as with all prophecy, we don't claim to get everything right, and it's for you as individuals in the church to weigh and test these words. Um, but the first two words were from two individual members of the teams, quite separately, uh, not colluding in any way. They came up with these words, so I'll read them. I got a picture in my mind's eye of a lighthouse with a cone of light scanning the dark seascape, looking out on those struggling in the ocean. The phrase beacon of hope came to mind. The cone of light focused on groups of people struggling in the water. This could be particular families needing help or people groups the church is already reaching out to or will reach out to in the future. It was definitely God directing the focus of the church, pointing the way of action. And the second word. I sense, saw and sensed the Lord saying he's salting you afresh. I heard the phrase pillar of hope and saw a large pole of light that people were drawn to. I felt that this was in relation to new assignments related to reaching out to those out with the church. I also felt in the context of these new assignments, gone gently reminding me about not despising the day of small beginnings in Zechariah 4. I feel, feel the Lord saying that there are specific people groups he is drawing to you that have largely been forgotten by churches and to welcome those in, them in. I know if those, if as we were um, going through this, this sermon today that you felt the Lord was speaking to you about any specific groups of people or individuals, um, then I, I just want to invite you to come, up, come forward and get some prayer. Um, to, to, to respond. Uh, yeah, Lord, I just want you to come now, Lord, and just draw people now. If you feel the Lord is speaking to you or has spoken to you today, to come forward and to pray. Uh, let us pray with you. Uh, pray with what you sense the Lord is saying. Um, if you're wanting to step out but you're fearful, come forward and the Lord will bless you. If you feel that you uh, are um, guilty or condemned by the fact that you had opportunities and you've missed them, Come forward, and the Lord wants to release you from that condemnation and allow you to, to carry on a minister. He does not condemn you. You are forgiven. The Lord wants you, the, you and Sterling Vineyard, to be moving in power, for you to be a beacon of hope and light in this city, for people to be drawn to you, to see you as kingdom bearers, to bearers of the face of Jesus, to Lord, to be light in the darkness. 
And I just pray that over you. I just pray uh, another of the prophetic words was in number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.